Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm I'm feeling good, Bruce. I was we were talking earlier today. I thought the Oilers could do it. There, I just this is a different Oilers team than last year, and uh, for a while there, it was in doubt. That's for sure. When we were talking about it, I, my my point was if Smith lets in the first grade A chance, the Oilers are probably going to lose the game, and um, that's exactly what happened. He let in the first grade A shot. There have been other fairly difficult shots though, like a number of grade B shots before then. So he had been playing well, but the Oilers got down two nothing and managed to, to come back in this game. So Bruce, last year at this time, the Oilers, um, this year the Oilers have in 46 games, 24 wins and 22 losses. Last year at this time, 22 wins and 24 losses. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. That's a significant difference. And um, I just see, I see a different team this year. And I, and it's really becoming clear, uh, obviously, on this road trip. I mean, well, if we're talking about this year as in 2020, I'm seeing a different team this year too because they turned it around when the calendar changed. There. Well, Yamamoto's call this up. This whole road trip, eh? Yeah, Yamamoto's call up has made a pile of difference in, in a number of kind of subtle ways because I think it's not just up the top two lines, but it's maybe uh, I don't know. Is it solidified the bottom lines a bit? I think so. Maybe. Uh, um, I think it stabilized the whole picture. Like the the uh, instead of having three bottom nine lines, you know they got uh, they have a top six and a bottom six and the and the bo- I mean there's one line in the bottom six that's a little bit of a catch-all and the other one that's pretty stable and uh, the top and tonight it was the bottom six that got the job done. Eh? It was they scored three of the four goals were uh, were Shayan um, Chieson and Archibald. And only Nugent Hopkins on the power play connected from the you know the usual suspects for scoring goals for Edmonton. So the that bottom six uh, had a big game and and they scored an empty netter, Bruce. Like yeah. you know one of one of the worst stats right now <laughs> is the Oilers' record in in one nothing games because it might lead you to think oh the Oilers have been because they have this what was it this huge well, they great where they, it's we, great record yeah yeah but it's because they don't uh-huh. have a lot of close games because they give up empty net goals. And they never score them. Or they so, lose in overtime, which they give credit for. You know, they don't call it a loss. They call it the... Yeah. You know, and so so. I, I, I'm not too worried about that. Because some people might say, well, all these close games have gone their way. So uh-huh. so they're, so they're going to... That's going to come back and haunt them. I don't buy that for a second. Cause of the, mainly because of the empty net goal thing, which... I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they got one tonight. And they salted it away at 4-2. to two And... Uh, uh, that's that's a, the sad story for if you're a Montreal fan. Now they've lost eight games in a row, and their net goal differential is minus ten. And in that time, they've allowed two empty netters, meaning basically they lost eight games in a row by one goal. That's gotta hurt. And they only got one of them into overtime. So they got one point, and and basically eight consecutive one goal like one goal they, games. I mean that's brutal. That is. They sorry, do not. Fans, I've got to laugh, but that's brutal. Hmm? They do not look like a very good team, like honestly. Well, they had this game. They had this game was there for the taking. They were up two nothing, and the Oilers were very unsharp for the first uh, significant portion of the game. There was. I was funny the first period. I was seeing lots of good plays by Oilers, uh, individual Oilers, but they couldn't make a damn pass. Every bounce went against never, them. Yeah, there was never any flow to it. But you could see this player would have a really good shift and do two or three things right, but the puck would never sort of 
pay attention and go in the right direction. Every bounce went against them until Thompson hit the post. And then they the, the Oilers got the biggest bounce of the game. Yeah. And after that they they got all the bounces. It was it was it seemed like after that everything changed. It was they were sharp and they were getting tape to tape passes and it's all working out. Thompson could take that shot 50 more times from that angle. There's no way he could hit the post on the inside like that and have it go right across the goal line. <laughs> I mean, man, a millimeter to the side, and that thing's probably in the net, right? So this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, Bruce. What is your good thing? Well, I'm going to single out from a from a fine bottom six, a guy who didn't score a goal, and that is uh, Joachim Negard. Uh, not, she, not Gustav Nyquist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> I always Gustav call him. Me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to go with Joachim Nygaard. Okay. Shin pad. Uh, and I thought he was absolutely terrific in this game. I noticed him right away. Uh, Hawk just all over the puck. All over the puck. And uh, on the backtrack and in the offensive zone coming on up behind guys and taking it off him or coming out from behind the net. I mean, he had uh, he had two... At least two very good wraparound shots. In fact, I think three. And then he had uh, another play where he wrapped around from behind the net and uh, uh, tried a sharp pass across the crease to Shane. But he was always attacking Price from the end boards. And none of those worked out to be a goal, but he did make a key play on the Shane goal that got Oilers back in the game at 2-1. to one. And again, that was because of uh, uh, largely because of Negard winning a battle to get the puck and then a little bit of a lucky bounce where the guy kind of checked him and it went right to like first did they I give an assist it. oh if they didn't they got uh yes they did yes good i was hoping yeah. you'd get a point Cheyenne from Negard and larson and, and rightfully so because buddy checked him but he basically knocked the puck off of yeah Negard stick right on to uh so it's not like he had possession or anything but he was, man, he was just digging, and, and uh, uh, I was complimenting him in the first period, and I guess obviously someone in the broadcast crew noticed because they had him on for a, uh, for a between-periods interview, and I, you noticed because I saw you put a little comment in the, uh, in the uh, scoring chance summary saying uh, Negard has earned himself an NHL job, and I basically this he looked like an NHL player tonight and a good one. And I commented about how... He himself said he had to adjust to the battle level and basically give 100% on every puck. And he certainly walked that walk tonight because he was all over the puck like a sweat. So good on him. And confident with the puck, like not mm-hmm. only battling hard, but uh, when he when he had the puck, he made a number of really strong plays. I think he might be someone, I think when he finally got up to the McDavid line and he had about three games there, I think he was a little bit odd. And not wanting to handle the puck and nervous about it, you could, I, I, I thought I saw that he looked like he, his game got worse with McDavid uh, in terms of making plays. Uh, he might be better off in this role. Um, so this actually segues to my uh, my good thing, Bruce, which is for the first time this year they've had a good first line pretty much all the year, right? Mm-hmm. But in the last <sighs> few games, they've had a good two lines. This was the first time all year long, and I think this is a this is a big moment for the team because this is what has to happen. This is what happens with a good team, where you get three good lines, and for the first time they had three good lines. So since Yamamoto's been called up and James Neal has been playing a little bit better, 
they've had the two top lines. And now McDavid and Dreisaitl are centering their own lines. They can concentrate on defense. And I think, Bruce, their defense, both of their defense has been has improved significantly since they've been the centers of their own line, having mm-hmm. that fundamental responsibility. And no one, you know, they're not always looking to make the switch or who's no, the center, who's the winger. after you, that. Alphonse. Uh, yeah, they were. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so that's going right. There's a lot that starts to go right when you put McDavid and Drysaddle on their own lines defensively, and they were they were ki- they were killing the Oilers a little bit for a whole month with their defensive play. But tonight, uh, we've seen this line of uh, Nequist or Nigard. I always get it wrong. Nigard, um, Shea,n and Archibald. In the past, we've probably seen them together five or six games, and I've always liked it. I don't like Juju Kara on that line, like despite his recent problems, which we're going to get into. I don't like Kara on that line anyway, period, because he's not fast. That line's not fast enough um, to match an NHL scoring line when you have both Kara and Sheehan on that line. They're both bigger, slower players, um, and they're just not agile enough, quick enough to get it done as a checking line. But suddenly you put Negard out there with Archibald, and those guys are holy oh, terrors. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to play against the, those two buzzsaws. Two of them? Yeah, two, two buzzsaws is right. And, and Sheehan's a... Uh, force like he's big smart mm-hmm. i like it so three well, the, lines bruce yeah and the deal is now they've got speed on every line that's where the yamamoto thing has really changed things i wrote about that in the game day today because of course mcdavid line you can put them with you know anybody and the line is still going to have speed mm-hmm. uh just through the you know the grace of mcdavid uh, but dry uh, you know, they had him earlier, they had him playing with a couple of lumbering wingers and it wasn't necessarily working. Or they had Nuge with a couple of lumbering wingers and that wasn't working either. But now you have Leon, who's the closest thing to a lumbering guy on the line with Nuge and Yamamoto. And they can all three motor. And I mean, Leon, he had the big big motor going tonight. He was uh, he was really buzzing uh, two-way game. I thought he played really well. But uh, yeah, that uh, that third line, and there's there's lots to like. They were excellent on the one penalty kill that the Oilers had tonight, and Archibald, you know, his fundamentals are just so good, and he's uh, you know he finishes his checks. He's he he's moving his feet. He's uh, you know he's he's in pretty good position most of the time. He gets beat. Most guys get beat sometimes, you know. But uh, he uh, he's getting it. Uh, uh, he, yeah. He's contributing positively to the team, and his his speed and and Negard together makes that a quick line. And of course, the other line's got uh, Gaetan Haas on it. So, yeah. So he, if you can find, so they have the center, I think, for a fourth line. I think Gaetan mm-hmm. Haas is showing that he could be a fourth line NHL center. And if he can find, so I think Chase on also is an NHL hockey player. So it's just actually finding the uh, the last ingredient on that particular line who could be could be Jujar Karastel it could be Patrick Russell maybe it's going to be someone else Tyler Benson who knows like who's going to get that chance um it does make Benson a Benson call up a little less likely I think in that he would be called up to the fourth line but he might at some point he's been in the minors quite a while now like it's like a year and a mm-hmm. half he's a forward how much more is he going to improve in the AHL you know so like I, I don't think I think a, a year, year and a half in the HL for a forward ideal. is, is plenty. Ideal, yeah. yeah, so like, call him up to the fourth line. Have him play that checking role and then work his way up. I don't see that as a tragedy for Tyler Benson if that were to happen. Bruce, let's. this is a, a, a ripe moment to move to your bad thing, though, I think. So let's do that. 
Yeah, I hate to single out the same guy. We've been kind of beating this guy up a bit lately, but uh, Jujar Kara, man, is he struggling. And I saw, and I will give him some credit for uh, 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 for winning a board battle on the game-winning goal. So, I mean, let, let's let's keep that in the good column before we get into the to the to the bad things. But there was an absolutely brutal line change on, on the uh, uh, first Habs goal where Montreal had possession, moving with the puck through the neutral zone towards Edmonton territory, and Kara decides to glide over to the bench. Then he, then he changes his mind and tries to go into the defensive zone. Well, by then, James Neal has already jumped through the board, over the boards, and now they got too many, and they got their signals crossed. And by the time they figured out who was staying on the ice, the puck was in the net, and that was a big part of it. And then he had a brutal uh, uh, giveaway, uh, late in the first period that led to a Montreal scoring time, just a weak clearance right to the guy on the point. And then uh, there was one, it was more comical, well, I mean, it just, just resulted in a bad thing. But he got caught out on a line change with McDavid. And McDavid hit Caro in full stride going through the neutral zone. Perfect pass right on his stick. Here you got Kara going up the ice with McDavid. You think, well, this looks promising. And two seconds later, a Montreal guy had a clear-cut breakaway after Kara got stripped of the puck outside the blue line, fell, apparently tripped over the blue line. Not that it mattered by then because he was beat by the one check. And then the guy who stole it off him sent a quick pass the other way. And all of a sudden, there's a that's the one that hit the post, right? For Kara's yeah. sake, yeah. For oh. Kara's sake, I was hoping they wouldn't score. Like, honestly, yeah. I just thought... Like, so cause, close. Because it was such <laughs> a stumble-bum play. It reminded yeah. me if they had scored... There was a play that signaled Justin Schultz's end in Edmonton. And it was, uh, there was a puck lofted high into the air at center ice, and he tried to mm-hmm. bat it down with his hand, and oh, he missed yeah. it. And mm-hmm. they went in, and I think either they scored, or they probably scored. And that was the end. Like it, it, it had become so toxic for yeah. Justin Schultz in Edmonton. He needed to be moved. And we're getting, this happens yeah. in Edmonton. I don't know if it happens well, in every yeah, this... Canadian seat, but we're getting there with, with Kara, where he probably. He would probably benefit from a change of scenery, and and like, maybe he can bounce back. Like I never, you never say never with a player, and he's just a role player, so he doesn't have to. And he's a good penalty killer still. He's okay mm-hmm. penalty killer. Yep, but, he's got the best man. PK stats on the team. That's the reason that he's still in the lineup. Like he, he was practicing on the fifth line yesterday, but as I noted in the game day this morning, that Gagne was in his spot, but who's going to take his spot on the penalty kill? And eventually, yeah. Tippett, Tippett came back to Kara. Uh, and uh, so, that one play, though, it was just Keystone Cops. It was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> talk about things going south in a hurry. That was a, such a play as that. But then, like I say, to his credit, at least he was, uh, it wasn't any kind of great play, but it was, you know, joined the battle on the boards that created, helped create the possession that led to Alex Chason's game-winning goal in a very sweet moment for a Montreal native to get that one. Yeah. So I was, I was rooting for Alex Chason in this game, especially, and it was kind of nice to see that. Chason, I think, can play in the NHL. He, he mm-hmm. he's like so many of the orders. He's like James Neal, bigger, slower player. Dry, you know, Drysaddle's not slower, but so many of these. If if they can get if they get their feet moving and they play a physical game, so Chason, that's got to be. He's got to get it in his head. That's his whole game, like every game, to earn his spot in the NHL. He can't do it on finesse. He's got to move his feet and hit play a physical game you know he's he should only be playing about 10 minutes a night at even strength 
So he's got to get out there and hit, hit, hit. And in a fourth line role with Haas and one other player, I think we might have four lines, Bruce. And that's when it's going to get that's when it's going to get really good. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, he's uh, now up to he's now up to 15 points on the season in 40 games. So that's half of a 30 point season. That doesn't stink. Like I mean, there's that's a, I a lot that, of that, no. That, this this is uh, no. This is um, uh, oh, Chase on uh, Alex yeah, Chase on. Yeah, and six goals, nine assists, and he's been good on the power play. The power play has been extremely productive when he's been out there, uh, uh, whether he's scoring or not. But when he's doing the net front job, the power play has done very well. Uh, and at even strength, like he's not a big scorer, but he, he does. Uh, I've heard a lot of complaining about that contract, and I mean, there's no way he's going to outperform 2.15 million the way he outperformed 650 thousand last year. But he has value as a player. Like, you know, it, you may not like the contract, but that doesn't mean you have to hate the player. I mean, maybe he's a $1.5 million player or $1.3 million player, but he's, you know, he's got value to the team and he showed it tonight. He's not that overpaid, in other words. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and his, he's not that overpaid, in other words. Like, right. he's overpaid, but not it's, it's not a killer contract. Mm-hmm. And he, we're tracking his even strength play with our... Uh, grade A scoring chances pro- project about the same as it was last year. The difference is his puck luck and his shooting um, has declined considerably. He he, uh, you know he's not a great two way player. He's he's an, he's a fourth line player in the NHL. He was last year and he is this year. So uh, last year he got on a hot shooting streak and good mm-hmm. for him. Um, let's go to my bad thing, Bruce, which was and, and this is an interesting one because I don't think I don't know if he's made the bad thing list. More than two or three times, if if that this if year. If at all. If at all. This may be Ethan Bear's first appearance in the no-no category. So, Ethan Bear, um, mm-hmm. he's he's been the Oilers' most consistent defenseman, I'm going to say. Um, he's been through the, the least amount of bad games, bad streaks. But tonight, man, he, he was struggling. The good things that he does, he, he was not even connecting on. The passing of the puck, the smart plays. His passes were a little bit off. And the bad things that he does... Uh, or that he did in the past, which was defending, were, were in evidence. He made four major mistakes on Grady chances against, which is a really rough night for an NHL defenseman. Like one or two, okay, that's that's par for the course. Uh, four, you're really, really struggling out there. He looked to me like for the first time this year, like that young defenseman who came up, uh, when is that, spring of 2017, I guess, and um, just leaked scoring chances against. Uh, at that point, just was in way mm-hmm. over his head. Yeah, we haven't seen that player at all this Very year. Very little. And um, I just think he, I mean he was played twenty four fifty eight tonight. He's been heavy rotation. Every player is going to have a bad game tonight. Was Ethan Bear's turn to to have that kind of? Uh, I thought he looked a little nervous, and I wonder if it was the first game in the Bell Center and maybe you know a big moment could be uh, in anybody's career. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, like there was just a couple of plays tonight where I thought he looked nervous. And, and Brendan Gallagher owned him in the one-on-ones a couple of times. Just oh, that's a him. tough player, eh? To yeah. Face. yeah. He just gets, he burrs into you, right? Like he's just mm-hmm. on you and he's going, going. Like maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's as simple as that. He just, he met a similar kind of build, similar kind of player. And mm-hmm. <laughs> hockey happens fast out there. It's easy to make mistakes. Zero shot attempts and five giveaways is Ethan Bear's stat line tonight, and that's not pretty. Ooh, yeah. 
And as you say, four scoring chances against. So that's not pretty yeah. either. Yeah, Nurse wasn't at it in his tip top playing his tip top game either. Like he like he had a terrible there was one terrible break that they had because he he was caught up ice. But anyway, uh, Bruce, what is your number tonight? Well, my numbers have to do with Darnell Nurse. Uh, just basically from his um, uh, from the sheet, he led the Oilers defense in ice time, which doesn't always happen. Just a few seconds ahead of Oscar Class cut bomb, uh, 26 minutes 14 seconds. Uh, most shifts, most even strength ice time. Uh, the most shots and shot attempts from the blue line, three and five, respectively. The most hits with three, and the most block shots with four. He just played a ton. And, you know, he wasn't, he, he didn't get a lot done offensively. Like, he didn't create create a lot. He didn't get, you know, the shots weren't exactly uh, him bearing down on uh, Carey Price. Uh, but uh, uh, <clears throat> he was... Tonight, to uh, to a larger extent than we usually see, I thought carrying his partner, he was uh, he was cleaning up a few messes. You and know, yeah. I thought he, I thought he played a mature game, uh, Darnell. He got he got beat a couple times, and and uh, uh, like even one time he got caught out of position, and he kind of rode the guy off where the guy came in, and he got a one-handed shot away. And the Habs fans, of course, wanted a penalty, but uh, uh, it was just you know he didn't he didn't panic, and and he. Uh, I, I thought he was he was solid. Like that's some of the criticisms about Nurse is that he's erratic, uh, but to me he uh, he delivered some very big minutes for the Oilers tonight. Yeah, my criticism of him is mainly based on the one play actually that stood out. But after that, he was really solid. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Like he, he had a pretty good game. I wonder what Kurt will give him. Kurt Levins is grading the game tonight. What's your guess? Mm-hmm. What do you think he'll give Nurse? Seven, six? Uh, I'll guess six. I'll guess seven. Oh. All right. Uh, we could even check maybe. So my number My number is um, the ice time of the Oilers' bottom pairing defenseman, Caleb Jones, 746, and minus two. Uh, Chris Russell, 1146. I, 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 Russell mm. um, was more of a major culprit on the first goal because it was his man he, who uh, he let through. But really, I think that first goal was on – the you know on Kara letting those guys at speed yeah. come through the shot and the, the big rebound which is a bit of bad luck but that it happens and mm-hmm. so Caleb Jones though uh man he made a stinker of a play on the second goal where he got caught up on the ice on a bad pinch leading to a three-on-two play mm-hmm. and then a screenshot went in the net so I can see why the coach might have been Larry to play him it's interesting you know you, you just I just I don't like the big ice times I guess when I see them for Clefbaum and, and Nurse like that, I just think the Oilers weren't, I don't think the Oilers were at their best. The Oilers forwards weren't at their best when McDavid and Drysaddle were playing all that ice time. Right. Or maybe they had big ice time games tonight. I didn't even check. But I don't think they were at their best, Bruce. And I think that the defense needs, you need three functioning pairs. And I actually think Jones and Russell is a pretty good pair. Like for a third pairing, I think they'll get it. I think they're they're strong enough. Obviously, if Benning comes back and can play at the level he was playing at before he left, shortly before he left, that'll be an improvement. But I I just wonder how this is going to – the coach seems to have Caleb Jones on a short string, I guess is what I would say, and, and there's not much of an appetite for mistakes. Um, perhaps that's the right way to play it. Um, don't let him get too exposed. Maybe if you played him in the third period and he, and he let in a goal, then his confidence is totally gone and you're done. So maybe he's doing the player a favor 
by kind of limiting his ice time and taking it easy. And um, so I'll give Tippett credit um, as opposed to criticizing him. Maybe he's got it figured out and is managing this player's ice time quite well. But I do think Jones is an NHLer. I've consistently said that. And I think he's going to step up here. And, uh, and I just hope he and Russell can start to play more like 14 minutes a game rather than, you know, 8 yeah. and 12. Yeah, well, he never played a shift in the third period. Yeah, uh, uh, he played four four minutes in the first, three minutes <clears> in the second, and I mean the goal against that he, got, he really got burned on that bad pinch. Yeah, uh, he he must have played after that because that was early in the period. But he had he did get a fairly did, yeah. fairly short shift after that. But you know there was one play that stood out to me in the first period where Jones was going back and the Montreal forwards they were pressing hard, especially early in the game, and the Oilers defense did not have much time to make plays. And there was a, a play where Jones was going out and looked like the Montreal guy had the angle on him. And suddenly he, he made a quick turn to the outside. And on his backhand, because of course he's playing his weak side, uh, but just with his skating legs, he created enough room for himself to beat the guy wide and go around and up the boards and get the puck out to safety. And I thought, yeah, that is NHL caliber skating right there. And he's got the good wheels and they're, they're going to seem out of trouble a few times and uh, that was one example where they did so so the best thing about him bruce is when when, when i'm watching chris <laughs> russell on his off when i'm watching chris russell on his offside i notice that he's on his offside right. seven times eight times a game when i'm watching caleb jones play his offside i i i hardly ever notice it never mm-hmm. it never occurs to me that he's on the wrong side so it's be, and it's because he he's a strong enough skater and and passer puck mover to limit limit that kind of um damage that 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 you see with someone who's like russell just throwing the puck weakly up the boards uh, to clear it out in desperation give the caroline cowboy credit though he made a good play on the game-winning goal uh, playing right defense on the blue line he, did. He, he made that fake slap shot and he froze everybody and he fed it over to clap bomb and they were able to make the play from there and that was a crafty veteran kind of play by uh by russell and uh and it worked so, well, you and I are have, are longtime Chris Russell fans, and oh, I feel the, I feel the team will miss him. He does some good things, yeah, yeah. He when he when things. he's not with the Oilers, we're gonna we're gonna say, boy, it'd be nice to have a versatile defensive stalwart, penalty killing ace like Chris Russell out there now and then, because that's exactly what he is. If they can replace him with as good a player, and I mean they are, yeah. they are getting this whole new generation of young defensemen. Yeah, yeah he's on. Bouchard's he's, gonna be ready sooner than later and it's not uh, much longer for oil country i don't think and there's yeah. a very good chance to be gone this summer but i'd be surprised they traded them during the season just because they don't want to over rely on rookies i mean They're tonight we saw with jones and bear we saw that uh uh you know rookies can be vulnerable and especially so, when you turn up the turn up the heat on them they they make mistakes yeah so calgary on saturday <sighs> here we go yeah here we go four point game Big game. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, gonna although, this. yeah, even a loss on Saturday, I mean, I'll go there. And, but even a loss on Cal- in Calgary, this would be a highly successful road trip with three wins and a betting point, which I've already secured through four games. But to win a, win a fourth game and come home with nine out of ten points would be absolutely sweet. Who would have predicted you know, that? No well, I mean, who would predict the Oilers are going to go into Boston, Toronto, Montreal, three original six teams, and walk away with three regulation wins, outscoring them by a combined 14 goals to seven. Got to love it. Like, this is a real high point of the season for Royal fans. And that Mike Smith 
<laughs> yeah, Mike Smith would be the winning goalie in all three games. Yeah, yeah. unreal. Would have, like so, what, like, what a turnaround! Shocking to me. And he played really? well tonight. Like they they named him first star in the broadcast. You know who was the first star in the building? The because they picked different stars in, yeah. in the broadcast. Yeah. Connor McDavid was named the first star of this game. I wouldn't. Yeah, I didn't either. But they, his his one visit a year obviously impressed somebody, and he did some impressive I, I, I things. I thought Drysdale actually does. was uh, more of a force tonight. But um... and uh, but this was really a game also for the foot soldiers. So. It's nice to see the Montreal boy, Alex Chason. He was the one guy who was picked in the, among the three stars on both. Uh, other, the other two stars were mutually exclusive on from the one set to the other. But Chason uh, really impressed some people tonight. So, I would have picked my old friend uh, Gustav Nyquist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that guy. Nygaard. Nygaard, that Shin, guy. Shingard. 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 Oh, that's how I remember it. Yeah, Shinpad. Nygaard, Shinpad. Now I got it. Shinpad. Oh, now there. I was wondering what you meant by Shinpad. Now I know. Okay. Yeah, I would have picked Nygaard. Um, uh-huh. He was he was fantastic. So, all right, Bruce. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for beating the Habs, Oilers. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.